If you have an interest in horses and love learning more about horses, the horse industry, teaching, or even managing your own horse business, then you're in the right place. We would love you to join us on our mission, which is to improve the lives of horses around the world through the education of riders, handlers, and trainers. So get comfortable, listen in, and enjoy. Horse welfare and safety are of utmost importance where humans have any interaction with horses. Within the courses at International Horse College, we only utilise methods that promote safe and humane ways of interaction between horses and humans. We only support safe methods of educating riders, handlers and trainers about horse welfare. Internationalhorsecollege.com, registered training organisation 31352. Our guest today is Claire Walker. Claire started off in a family with show horses and breeding riding ponies, and then she went on to do some dressage, show jumping and eventing, and now she's a specialist show jumper, coach, trainer and competitor. She looks at her riders as a complete package, not just with their riding skills, but life skills as well, and we'll talk about that a bit later in the interview. So how are you today, Claire? Yeah, wonderful. Thank you. I've just finished taking some students this morning and popped in to have a chat with you. Good. Good. Looking forward to it. Claire, we start off with a favourite quote. What have you got for us today? Yeah, I I haven't gone searching for one. I've actually gone with something that has stuck in my brain from a clinic that I attended with Colleen Brooke, and she just mentioned to a writer that if you keep writing the same way, it will just keep going the same way. Mm -hmm. And the purpose of that was that, you know, we need to keep improving our skills to keep improving the way our horse goes. And um, that was just something that's always been set in my mind to keep trying to improve the way that we go about doing our job and we will then keep moving on a forward pathway with our horses. Yeah, yeah, and that's why you bring in other coaches so that you can learn, you can keep improving. So um, it must be frustrating as a coach to come in for someone that's not improving. You know, you've got to keep improving. You take advantage of the coaching that's offered to you and uh, keep moving from there. Yes, absolutely. I've always, it's been ingrained from my mother to show every coach respect and um, to have an open mind and you don't have to use everything that you're taught. So whether you're going through pony club, you might not click with a particular coach, but you then might find as your learning mindset changes 12 months down the track, you might really click with that person. And so it's always, I think, giving respect to everyone's opinion and then using what works for you and uh, just banking the rest for memory. Yep, yep. And and remembering too that every horse you work with is going to uh, need something slightly different. Absolutely. Yeah. Tell us about your first memories with horses because you, you came into a, a horsey family, but do you have some really early memories of sitting on a horse or being around horses? I think my earliest memories is, is probably around the age of two or three being picked up out of my bed probably still in in dark at three o'clock in the morning with a blanket wrapped around me and um, thrown or placed into the seats behind the truck mm-hmm. and then I'd just wake up at a show. Okay. And my my life really, I have not, um, I'm now 41 and I haven't missed a show season since I've been alive. Yeah. So yeah. it's certainly been very much a lifestyle for us mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and yeah, following I think initially my father's footsteps, but I have great heritage with both my grandfathers from both sides of my family. My great-grandfather was a um, blacksmith 
in the army mm-hmm. and uh, my other grandfather grew up in the horse and cart era and um, those horses went and did high jumps and the trots at the local shows. So, <laughs> okay. yeah, I, I feel like I've got a lot of horse history. <laughs> yeah. Did they work during the week as a cart horse and then went and did competing on the weekends? Is that what you mean? Yeah, and we've mm, got some mm. fantastic photos of, of, of those times and yeah. and shows that I still now compete at yep. um, that they would have competed at, you know, all those years ago. Yeah, yeah. Now, were you always going to be an instructor? Were you always going to teach people right from those very early shows or did you have to go through a progress? Was this something that you thought, oh, if I start teaching people, what's the, what was your thought process there? Really, I just, I never had a lot of lessons growing up. Mm-hmm. We honestly, uh, we were a farming family and actually couldn't afford to be running to lessons. I think that's something that's been a cultural change in this era is everyone has a coach just about and everyone goes to lessons and clinics. But back when I was coming through, um, I relied on my parents mostly for my education and through local pony club. And we had some really wonderful horsemen and women in our club. Mm-hmm. And one of them in particular, when I was 17, encouraged me to do my accreditation mm-hmm. at that age. Yep. And I passed and I was really pleased I did it when I was young. I think uh, as you get older, life gets in the way and it becomes a bit more of a process to get it done. And so I was very much in my learning age mm-hmm. and it was a good time to refine my skills at that age and um, I really appreciate um, having that opportunity at such a young age. And then it's something that you've always got there, isn't it? You know, you've got some sort of qualification there and you you just carry it with you and you've always got it behind you to, um, you know, if you need to go into a job or need to do something with horses, it gives you a little bit of, I suppose, credibility. It does. I mean, it it gives you a very good foundation. I Mm, think mm. the NCIS system that we have, I, I personally preferred the original style, which was um, a lot of mentoring, a lot of practical lesson planning and coaching in front of experts. Yes. And really refining a lot of those skills. And, and there's nothing like, like sort of doing it with experts, in front of experts and, you know, getting that feedback from people who've already gone there, been there, done that and can give you that feedback. Yes, and because you, you know, at that age, you think you know everything, obviously. Oh, absolutely. (laughs) But as time goes on, you you start to, um, you know, realise that it's a very competitive world out there in the coaching landscape Mm. and that it's not always easy. You don't always have easy students or easy horses to work with. And I really feel that a lot of what I learnt in my my younger years have set me up to be able to deal with those situations. And I want to talk about that too, you know, because you've got a particular brand of coaching, but we'll we'll talk about that a little bit later on because you really incorporate the life skills with the riders. Yes. Well, I consider myself lucky. Mm. I don't aim to have a lot of students. I have my own children that, that ride mm-hmm. and we have, I have my own horses that I still yep. compete on yep. and I'm very heavily involved in the administration side of show jumping and, and other uh, disciplines. Mm-hmm. But I like to be available for our riders to help them through uh, keeping very happy in the sport and yep. moving forward with their goals, but then also you know that they have other aspects of life. And I've, sure. I've had riders that have returned from, from major accidents, from keeping horses in work during during treatment for cancer, 
you know, those that sometimes suffer with anxiety and, and depression. Mm-hmm. And it's a holus bolus approach for me. Mm-hmm. It's not just they're in my paddock for 40 minutes and they give me $50 and I never talk to them again. Yep. I like to be there for them at events, you know, if they're struggling with their training. And so I, I have a very um, a full approach to it. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Now, if someone wants to start off, you know, because as you said, at that age, you, you think you know everything but there's still a lot to learn. But what are the core skills and character traits that they should have to start off with a career and not necessarily with coaching, but just generally a career with horses? I think it goes beyond loving horses. I think a lot just go, well, I love horses, so I'm going to become a coach. Mm -hmm. I think you need to really be interested in watching. That's probably one of the things I enjoy the most is, you know, I can go to a clinic and have my own lesson but you'll rarely see me leave. I'll just be hanging around for the rest of the day because I just, I'm a bit of a sponge and I love watching how other coaches approach um, issues with horses. I love watching the different styles of horses and I really love watching how riders process the information that they're given. Mm -hmm. So I think that's probably, if you are heading into wanting to become a coach, that would be probably a skill that I think is essential that Mm -hmm you actually are really interested in in watching and being guided and taking that information in and then how that is then processed and used. Um, I think if if really your only passion is yourself and just competing and that's it, you probably aren't getting the full picture of, mm, mm. of how riders progress. Yeah. 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 What do you think is the best thing about working with horses and working in the industry? Um, I think the horses. <laughs> to be honest, sometimes I wonder why I compete. It's probably, I've often said to my family, you know, maybe I should just give competing away and just train horses and it's been suggested to me. Yep. But I'm a social butterfly, so I do love going to competitions and, and chatting and being involved. So I probably couldn't give that up. But for me, it's the horses. I think I've always worked with a lot of different horses. As I said, we've we bred riding ponies for many years and, you know, those little things come in often unhandled and petrified. And as a child, I'd just spend hours and hours brushing them and playing with them, waiting for my dad to start mouthing or, or breaking them in. And yeah, I get very attached to horses, which is a real, really big problem <laughs> for me. Yeah. Yep. So, yeah, if I had to say the thing that I love about my job is that I actually get to work with an animal that I, I enjoy working with on a daily basis. Yeah, yeah. Okay. And then what about, because you've talked about your parents and how they've helped you, what about um, other people? Uh, where to start with that? <laughs> <laughs> Look, I have some wonderful mentors and a huge amount of respect for all of them. So, you know, coming from Tassie, uh, a lot of people, you know, we are isolated, but we can leave the island. It's not that hard. Mm-hmm. But, you know, in my early years, I certainly had a huge amount of guidance through our pony club. And, and in our pony club, we were lucky to have the likes of sort of Judy Peel, Bernadette Gibson, Judy Kilby and Jeff Richards. They, they were all riders that really led a pathway uh, for Tasmanian riders very early on. Mm-hmm. They were the first to introduce, I suppose, the more classical style of riding into our stage and then since then I have competed a few times in showing and show jumping um, showing at Melbourne Royal and, and show jumping over at some Victorian competitions and that then started to expose me to sort of the bigger equestrian world out there yep and through that we were able to start building relationships with mainland coaches 
And for me, probably uh, I work a lot with Ben Netterfield from mm-hmm. New South Wales. Yep. Um, has been great keeping me, I think, my morale high. I mm-hmm. often doubt myself and so he has been someone that's always kept me confident. And then Colleen Brooke has been someone I have a lot of respect for. I really enjoy her style of training. I think she's she's hard but can also bring a lot of fun and lightness to it as well. So yep. I feel I've been very lucky to have such a broad group of, of talented people to mentor me along the way. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What about horses, Claire? You had one particular horse that's influenced you or you a couple that you'd like to mention? Yes. I I mean, I've had a lot of characters. We went through years there where my father just kept going and buying these things off the track and my (laughs) brother rides as well. So he would just turn up with his horse and a lot of them had problems Mm -hmm. because that's why they were given to us. So they either wouldn't float or, or they bucked or they couldn't get weight on. And yeah, I suppose because we had that life skills of going up in horses we would we honestly would just give any horse a go Mm -hmm. but later on in life you start as you get a little bit older you start to be a little more choosy and I've had one horse in particular of late called Traffic Jam who was a very talented horse that got very anxious competing to the point where I would fall off entering the arena on a regular occasion and I'd get thrown back on and I'd go out and jump my rounds and he had some big anxieties towards performing. Mm-hmm. And I really had to think outside the square with him. You know, my riding ability wasn't enough to get him over over those anxieties, but I knew he had the talent to mm-hmm. do the job. Yep. And he loved to jump. So, yeah, with exploring then a lot of different avenues, talking to people, trying to understand why he was doing these things, managing him differently, getting in, you know, working on different feeds trying new systems and over time that horse probably became the most loyalist horse I could find. So um, he probably opened my eyes a lot to different ways of training. Yep. Yeah, so he was probably the horse that I've learnt the most on. It's um, amazing how the difficult horses, you know, they're, they're set to challenge us, aren't they? You know, that's you almost think that's why, so that you can learn more. Yeah, you, yeah, and they, I mean they're often given up on, and mm. um, I understand why people do. And probably if I was sensible, I, I perhaps we should have given up. <laughs> but I think once I got past that stage, as I said, I get attached to horses, and so once they're here, um, I tend to think, okay, well we've got to make something out of this. And that was the approach we had with him. We lowered the expectations and. To see the trust that he then formed was quite amazing. And like I said, in in the end, really, he became a horse that was very, very reliable, you know, and and that that changed sort of over. It took a two-year process, perhaps, until we completely trusted him. Mm -hmm. And then there were still days where we'd just make sure (laughs) everything was spot on before we'd enter the ring. But, yeah, to have a horse that trusts you like that, it's a great bond. Now, was he a thoroughbred traffic champ? No, he's actually a stock horse. Okay. Thoroughbred. Yep. Yeah. I just wondered if that was his racing name. Yeah. Okay. Okay. There was a, a quite a handy mare in Queensland. It was, you know, quite a few years ago called Traffic Jam, and I wondered if there was a connection there, but obviously not. Do you think, no, no. Yeah. Do you think taking out Traffic Jam then, you know, after that period had passed and you got a lot more trust in him and he got a lot more trust in you. Do you think that was your proudest moment or have you got something else you'd like to talk about? Um, 
I, I think honestly my proudest moment is the fact that I'm still doing something that I love mm-hmm. and I've been able to have careers. I've been able to have children. I still love to go camping and I love traveling. So I think, to be honest, very simplistic, my, my proudest thing is that I'm still able to be getting into the saddle whenever I like mm. and I still enjoy that and I'm able to now enjoy that with my, my children and still with my friends. So it isn't an easy road. Mm-hmm. Once you start having children and you have other responsibilities, I know a lot, you know, of very talented riders end up finding that responsibility just, you know, impossible. And I've had a good support network and, yeah, just a simple thing like that. And and like I said, I enjoy uh, creating opportunity and I enjoy being involved in producing our sport here yes. in Tasmania and, yep. and also involved in some national roles. And so I, I was awarded Volunteer of the Year in 2014 mm-hmm. through Equestrian Australia. And that, that was a really lovely recognition for me. And I feel quite honoured that I was thought of in yeah. that. So they're probably my two proudest moments. Okay. Yeah. Okay. All right. Now let's talk about your biggest challenge. What's the lows? Because, you know, everyone, everyone knows that there's highs and lows with horses. What do you think has been a a low or a challenge time? I think the most challenging time is continuing to believe in yourself. Mm -hmm. You know, innately now, society is unfortunately quite a judgmental one at times. And, you know, we're all busy and sometimes we can get caught up in, I suppose, our own life and what we need out of it versus the big picture. And I think as coaches, we're we're always out there being judged, Mm -hmm. sometimes by fellow coaches, sometimes by students. Yeah, I think that can play a toll after a while. And, And that's the same, I think, happens with our riding. You know, we can be putting in hours and hours of work and not really feeling that we're reaching the goal. Mm-hmm. So I think the challenge in that is being able to keep a positive attitude and also process, you know, any of the negative that becomes involved. And there have been times where, I won't lie, I've thought about giving up coaching. Mm-hmm. You know, I've, I've thought, well, really, is you know, am I still getting enjoyment out of this? Do people still believe in what I'm offering? And mm-hmm. that's where I've been lucky to have supportive mentors and I still use them I I talk to them and say look am I going the right way about this or if I hit a bit of a rail you know a a hurdle with a student and I just feel that we're not connecting as well as we used to I will go to a fellow coach and and have a chat to them and see how they've handled that situation and Mm -hmm. I've always kept a very open approach because I think it's important to work as a team because we're all wanting the same thing at the end of the day we Mm -hmm. we want to enjoy our horses and yeah. 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 You're right. Thinking now about, you know, because you do enjoy your horses and, and your coaching and your riders, tell us a bit about how life skills, because you, you said that you're coaching life skills in your other aspects of a rider's life, but what other sort of aspects are going to affect someone's riding? I think it's when they start to, when they start to get into a competitive environment, they can be very influenced with you know how other riders are going or how much other riders are spending on horses or what their gear looks like those outside influences all start to play a, a toll I mean something I really focus on my students is building a bit of a resilience up that that they can block out some of those outside influences and and we sometimes find that with the younger riders with parents that have 
really high expectations and they only want the best for their kids at the end of the day. That, that's what they're after is they're wanting, you know, the best for their kids. But just be, being able to help the youth especially, but we also find it with older riders to be able to process that sort of down and manage it and build a resilience up to it because um, I think emotional riders don't ride well mm-hmm. and that's something I really, you know, I've, I also work, with older students that are on um, shift work, you know, and and work in high demanding jobs with, you know, in nursing and things like that and ambulance areas and they're very high stressful jobs and so sometimes we have to deal with their emotions and get them to really um, build a resilience up so that when they're on their horse, their horses aren't feeling that anxiety and that Mm -hmm. pressure. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I, I like to try and understand some of the outside influences that that my riders have and then we work on ways to deal with those so that they can get the best out of their riding experience. Yep. Yeah. No, I think that's good. And I think, you know, I think that it's an area that probably a lot of coaches could include more because it does affect the riding so much. You know, there is lots of reasons why people aren't going as well or and being inconsistent with their results and um, think having a, an idea, yeah. Yeah, we take, you know, we put a lot of emphasis on the horse and Mm. we like to make sure, you know, the horse is fit for the job. And, you know, that's another area that I'm very particular about is I like to notice any changes in the horse in the way that it's going. And I don't ignore those changes. Uh That's not good enough for me. I'd like to know if the horse does have any niggling injuries and how we manage those. Mm. And I think it's the same with the riders, you know, it's the same with fitness levels. If, If the rider is harboring an injury, well, you know, the horse is going to have to carry that injury as well. Mm. And so we can have physical injuries and we can have mental injuries as well. And so, like I said, for me, it's understanding all of that. And and quite often I can notice a change in the demeanour of of a student, Mm -hmm. you know, and I've even mentioned that to a parent and said, look, I think there's something going on. And, you know, they'll go home and they'll have a chat. And yeah, quite often there was something going on. And once we've cleared that and, and understood it, you know, then their riding comes back to normal and they, they progress on again. So, yep. yeah, we, we spend a lot of time focusing on, on the horse. Mm-hmm. But there's so much more now to riding than, than just the horse, I think. That's right. That's right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Claire, have you got a book that you can recommend to our listeners, something that's going to complement their training? I had to think about this a lot <laughs> because I do, I read a lot of articles and I read books and I, I thought, oh, really, I don't, I don't know that there's a particular book that I've read and gone, you know, that that's something I really believe in. But as I said earlier in the interview, I will go and watch any clinic that I can. Mm-hmm. And to be honest, I think my greatest learning curve is attending and watching and listening mm-hmm. and writing notes. So if I can give my advice to anyone wanting to become a coach, this is advice that was given to me early on is write everything down. So whenever we go to a clinic or I see an article, I actually have my own book with all of the exercises, with the dot points from the likes of George Morris or Colleen or or whatever clinic we've been to view. And that, for me, becomes my resource. Yep. You know, if I see an article in a horse magazine or, or on Facebook or, you know, wherever, yep. uh, we yep. rip it out or we screenshot it and print it off and that forms our text. So mm-hmm, mm-hmm. that's my book. Yep, yep. <laughs> I'd recommend everyone have one of those books. Yes, 
to have your own book so yeah. that so that you pull bits and pieces out from everywhere. Yeah. Yes, and you'll find, you know, quite often I've seen some wonderful articles from the likes of Michelle Strap working with young thoroughbreds and, and you know, then we'll have a student go, oh, I've just bought this thoroughbred off the track. And I think, oh, okay, I need to up my ante a bit on, you know, what's the process? And so yes. we'll go and we'll pull that out and I'll read that and that will give me some fresh ideas and, mm-hmm. you know, and, and then we'll form a plan from that. So, yeah, that's that's probably my advice. Okay, good. Claire, what are you looking forward to now, thinking about the future? I'm at the moment trying to get my my horses back on track. Uh, I'm I'm a horrible person when I'm not riding. <laughs> so it's a funny thing when you've ridden all your life and last year due to some health issues of my own and and some issues with one of my horses, I was out of the saddle for a little while and what became evident is that I'm just horrible when I'm not riding. So my focus at the moment is to actually get myself back in the saddle. I think at my I don't feel like I'm old, but I'm at that age that if I if I stop competing for too long it will be very hard to get back into it. Yep. So I've got two really lovely young horses and I've sort of you know, we've been pottering around the paddock and it's now time to um, really up the ante and, and effort into them and, and get them down to, uh, you know, some bigger classes. So yep. that's my focus at the moment. And we're about in, in Tassie here, we're about to head into our winter, which is actually when we do the predominant amount of our training um, during this time. So mm-hmm. yeah, they're my short-term goals yep. and long-term-wise, I hope to in the future with these two horses to uh, get over to the mainland and I'd actually like to spend some time with some coaches uh, in probably Victoria or Sydney. Okay. And, yeah, just actually be involved in some full-time tuition and and some full-time stables Mm -hmm. and just see, you know, how they operate and freshen up my ideas and and some of those things. So, yeah, they're my goals sort of for the next couple of years. Good, good. Claire, before we go, can you summarise your philosophy with horses into a few sentences? Um, I'll try. (laughs) (laughs) Of course, we all have different philosophies, don't we? But I mean, the biggest thing for me as a rider is to always stay humble Mm -hmm. and um, I think be a team player. I think that's something I am proud of myself is that I like to give respect to other coaches and to riders and and be part of the team. You know, I think we're all wanting to reach similar end goals, whether it be in a competition sense or just in a in a recreational riding sense. Um, we want to have longevity in the sport and enjoy our time in the sport. So I'm very much you know, a team player and and like to provide opportunity wherever we can. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I I think keeping your mind healthy is important. Often we can get bogged down in some of the most ridiculous, you know, teensy-weensy problems with our horses and and sometimes just turning up to a show takes a lot of effort just to get yourself there um, whether that's because your horse isn't performing well or life has taken over or, or your children's life has taken over <laughs> your life as a parent, yep. which happens to me often. So, you know, turn up, find enjoyment in what you're doing and then build your confidence again. You know, once you've got your confidence, then really you can refine some of your skills and you can kick a lot of those demons in the butt. But if you don't have confidence in what you're doing, 
then trying to learn skills and refine skills can be really tough on your mind. Mm-hmm. So I think, you know, get to a level with your horse where you feel very confident and, and, and have a horse that suits you, you know, we to get enjoyment out of the sport. The horse is really a key player. You know, mm-hmm. it's not like buying a bike. Yep. So I think choose really wisely when you're choosing a horse and get help with those choices and then you can build your confidence and then you can get involved more in the sport. You can do more things, go to more clinics, go to more competitions, go to more pony club days or adult riding days mm-hmm. and, um, you know, and really get involved in, in the great sport that we have. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Claire, how can people contact you? Well, I have a coaching page on Facebook, which is mm-hmm. called Wentworth Equestrian, yep. and it's actually named after my first pony, so that um, my family bred for me and was very successful, so it's a name that's really close to my heart. So they can go onto that Facebook page and send me a message. Otherwise, my uh, mobile number is 0407 297 205, or I can be contacted via email which I've noticed you pop that on the end of the interview anyway. We do. We we put that on uh, Horse Chats. So it'll be horsechats.com slash Claire Walker or just go to horsechats.com, search for Claire or search for Walker and you'll find find Claire's interview with all the contact details as well. Great. Sounds good. (laughs) Okay. Thanks very much for your time today, Claire. I think um, think you've got, you know, sounds like you've got a few riders coming on that are, developing all-round skills and not just all-round horsemanship skills but all-round life skills as well. Yes, I'm, yeah, I'm really lucky. I've got some lovely students and we have a lot of fun in what we do. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Bye then. Thank you. If you've enjoyed this chat, then please comment, rate and subscribe. If you'd like any changes or recommendations for guests, then please contact us through horsechats.com. And while you're online, have a look at the government accredited courses at internationalhorsecollege.com. Registered Training Organisation 31352. Remember that our comments and instructions are general in nature and do not take into consideration your individual horses or your individual ability and circumstances. If you enjoyed this podcast, then please leave your comment below 